Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. I think we're going, so hello folks and welcome to Five Stripe Final. We are live from the maintenance closet of the Five Points Marta Station. Sam Jones here for Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick right over there. Joe, how are we doing? Trash in this place every week, man. Um, man, I just get the Wi-Fi to work. I am, exa- I am exhausted. That was uh, an amazing game of soccer. Um, we just saw just a... It was just a treat to watch that. Um, I know a lot of us are a little disappointed with the result, but um, can't be can't be too disappointed with that. I mean, come on. Yeah, that no. was great. Banger from the beginning. Five stripes tie two two in this one with the Eastern Conference leaders, the league leaders, New York City FC. Uh, they come in and from the get go, teams were trading chances back and forth, both clubs with a couple of opportunities to get on the board first. But fortunately, it was Atlanta United who struck first in. This one, Miguel Almiron picks up the pieces of a pass he misplayed. Uh, he's always about those loose ball recoveries. Miguel Almiron, the Paraguayan god of ball recoveries, if you did not know, picks up a loose ball, makes a run into the box. They left him a lot of space on his left side, which is a no-no with Miggy running right at you. Yeah. He, he got a shot off with his left foot. Uh, saved initially by Sean Johnson, but Greg Garza, fundamentals, man. Fundamentals. The gym rat gets in there, follows up the rebound, and it taps it in to make it one yeah, yeah. It was a great assist from Almiron. Somehow they gave him an assist on that. I don't know how that works. It was a, it was a shot that was saved, but um, I, he'll take it. I mean, sure. Um, it's funny. And Greg Garza is so good at getting at that back post, too. You know, like, that, that, that's definitely one of his strengths is making that run. I think he did something similar last year in Vancouver. Dallas. Uh, oh, you would have made the same yeah, run against yeah, Vancouver yeah, yeah. and he also scored. And in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Dallas. On that, right. and that same goal, almost a very similar move, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That was... That was Good to get on the board. I actually thought things were kind of going against us at that point in the okay. game. Uh, I thought the it was a little bit against the run of play. I think I had just tweeted something. I was like, NYCFC looks like they have twelve players on the field, and um, yeah, and then we and then we scored. So, um, so yeah, Patrick that was nice. reverse jinx, very nice. Yeah, job. Uh, it didn't last long though. Unfortunately, uh, in the thirty-eighth minute, David Villa is up to the spot after a gorgeous run of play from New York City FC. New, we're on the move on the camera. It's like a. It's I'm like trying a to see. Are we? I don't know if we're. Si- I don't know if we're sideways or everyone. But. Blair Witch Project shaky cam things Screw happening it. right now. Screw it. I agree. Anyway, 38th minute. Uh, New York City. Excellent run of play. Uh, they find uh, Joe Ingebrigte out on the left side. Whole bunch Very of space. good. Ooh, yeah. I, I am so impressed right now. Oh, my God. Um, Joe Ingebrigte. Uh, finds a whole lot of space. He was very threatening all night, especially in the early goings of this one. He caused a whole lot of trouble for us. Finds a lot of space. Makes a run on the left wing. Michael Parkers takes him down in the box. And from that point, uh, penalty awarded. David Villa steps up and then slips it past Guzan. Just barely, just barely. Guzan gets the right way. Y'all. He gets the right way. Did everything right. It just skipped right over top of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have no idea what you just said because I'm trying to work on uh, getting us straightened out here. <laughs> this is good. But, nice um, sorry, guys. I don't know why my phone's not uh, doing the rotation thing. But, um, yeah, this is how we're going to be today. This is great. Yeah, no. We're, it's, we'll, it's abstract. We'll read your... Uh, it's abstract H-daddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all that um, matters. 
Anyway, so we'll uh, what, what did you even just talk about? I seriously don't know. I talked about uh, David Vita coming up and getting the penalty. Oh, at yeah. that point, hey, that was one. That was a really good move by NYCFC. That's a good like one, yeah. you get you got to give it to them. They, you know, there were a few times in the game where they turned us over, and uh, yeah, they just really took advantage of it well. I mean, they like a couple flicks. Um, it was a beautiful play, and Parker did his best to stop it. You know, you yeah. can't you can't really like hate on him too much for giving up that penalty. I mean. Um, you know, he barely got a touch on the guy, and it was just, just one of those unfortunate things that happens. What could you do at that point? It was it seemed lucky at the time too, just given the situation. It wasn't necessarily uh, a dog's so denial of goal scoring opportunity, but it was lucky given where Bridget was that it ended up being something worse than it actually was. It could have been Atlanta down to ten minutes at that point. Uh, but one one at that point would go into the half, but not before Atlanta thought they had pulled one back in the forty second minute, just forty just four minutes. After the via penalty kick, uh, Nagby two, one times one in to the left corner of the net. It was a back pass from Julian Gressel from the top of the 18. I already see Joe shaking his head because our good friends at VAR, deep underneath the surface of the ocean in a man-made volcano in the VAR layer, the VAR layer <laughs> where the VAR lives and the VAR makes his almighty decisions from his golden throne. VAR shows up and the monster bites us this time, Joe. Here's a, I, I call it that. I call it this was going to happen when we saw VAR give us uh, man advantage against Vancouver uh, for 80 minutes or whatever it ended up being. I said, you know, one day this is going to go against us. And since I said that, it was not going against us time and time again. It seemed like we kept on being the beneficiaries of VAR until today. Um, and let me just say this. I mean, I know that I kind of rail against it all the time. And to the point now we're on Twitter, I just kind of am very sarcastic about the whole thing. Um the, the right call was made. Like, that's not in dispute. I don't dispute that. I mean, I, Joseph was interfering with the goalkeeper. Um, that by the rules, how it's written now, that's not a goal. That's offside. And VAR called it back and got it right. What I don't like about VAR is that we can't – you don't have that release, that, that celebration, the emotion that happens when you see the ball hit the back of the net. Um, that was an amazing goal, amazing strike by Nagby. And – in my opinion, that should be met with beers thrown and, you know, well, depending on what section you're in, of course. Sure. And, you know, that's just not – sports should not be – you shouldn't be on pins and needles waiting when that goal goes in to determine to see if it was actually a goal. You know, it, you should be able to look at the linesman, and if he's not calling offside, it's a goal. If he doesn't have his fly – if the rest don't have their fly up. So that's just the one thing that I had. I, I talk about it being like – watching the game not live or like watching it like on some sort of delay or something because every call can you know you, you can go back in time and correct that call so you're not actually watching something happen live unfold right in front of you so yeah that, that, that's my spiel again which I think I gave us that's Joe's time. weekly bar rant sponsored by CrossFit Vesuvio <laughs> alright uh, but yeah it was it was a bummer and I'll tell you why I was really bummed besides the end result there may have been more goals to come after that we don't know how the game would have actually turned out it would have been nice to made up 2-1 what really killed me was Darlington Nagby just had the coolest celebration that he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. He looked like he had just, I don't know, made it made a cup of coffee at 6 in the morning to go to his cubicle. That's how excited he looked. And it was just the coldest, baddest motherfucker thing like to do. And it was amazing. Yeah, but that's, 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 taken away. that's very Darlington, though. Yes. You know, like he's very <laughs> stoic in that sense. Sure. He just kind of acted like it was, it was just what he does all the time. Yeah. And that was yeah. really, really, really fun to watch. All he does is score bangers. Yeah. 
All he does. All he does. It doesn't matter though. We hit it a half tied at one. And then, and then I swear to God, this happened. No, really look at the box score. It happened. You can watch the video. I swear this happened. You actually have to go watch this because I cannot stress that this was a thing that actually happened in real life right behind us here tonight in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz stadium. It actually happened. Chris McCann scored. <laughs> Like a goal, like a real goal. It was crazy. It was crazy. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I don't know if anyone could. We were all checking. Like we were like double checking with each other. Like we were all doing double takes. Like hold on. Why is he in the box first of all? <laughs> His post game quote was phenomenal. He just said he saw everyone else running in the box, so he said I'm gonna I'm gonna run in the box too. He said Miguel picked him out, and it was a gorgeous cross from Miguel. All credit to Miguel there. Uh, Kevin Kratz actually gets things started. It's a loose mm-hmm. ball. Kratz shields an NYCFC player from the ball. It allows it to run on Miguel. Picks up the pieces once again. The Paraguayan got a ball recoveries. Don't you forget it. Runs to the end line. Plays a gorgeous cross. Kratz, sneaky good game tonight. Really good game yes. actually. But it was sneaky good. You know because he never does anything. Right. He never does anything. But he does a lot. But exactly. Not anything. While doing simultaneously nothing. It's not anything that usually shows up in these things. He actually did show up with two uh, creative chances tonight. We'll get more uh, about what Kevin Kratz did for us tonight because we were a little hesitant. Uh, I wasn't super excited to see him. No one was excited to <laughs> yeah, see him yeah. on the team sheet, but you oh, know what he's going to do when he comes who, who in. Was that, who was out there like, oh, yes, Kratz is starting over Barco. Been waiting I had us. a couple. I had a couple <laughs> folks on Twitter. Hi, Will. Um, but, you know, uh, it's... Will's all about the tactics. It, it, it's better tactically. Better tactically. It worked. It worked tonight, and it was the right call, um, even though we may have just been waiting and would have been more excited to see a Carlton or a Mario Williams but he, start at the top. But hey... We got to see him, though. We got to see Barco. We did. We did. We got to see Barco. In the 70th minute, Ezekiel Barco makes his Atlanta United debut. And we'll talk more uh, very shortly about what he did and the impact he had and the thoughts from the players and manager. Lots of stuff coming from the locker room after this one, of course, because Barco, uh, we've been waiting for the $15 million man for a real long time now, finally shows up. Uh, unfortunately, the celebration halted very, very quickly in the 73rd minute. Alex Ring scores. Joe, what did you call it? A fucking screamer. It was a fucking screamer. Oh, my gosh, man. It, um, a, it's, thunder, a thunder bastard. That's really what it was. <laughs> yes, yes. We are going to have to put the E up on next to the, <laughs> the podcast. I won't do it that. until Apple sends me a letter saying we have to. Okay, that's good. Yeah, sorry to the kids listening to this one. Why are you letting kids listen to this? What is wrong with you as a parent? Um, yeah, we clearly don't care about family. <laughs> we're here we're at 10, 10.30 live, on yeah. a Sunday night. In, a, in the five points from our station, not maintenance closet. Right. Um, 73rd minute, though, Alexander Ring, his first goal as a uh, pigeon, I believe they're called, uh, for NYCFC, the pigeons. Wait, what? Yeah, the pigeons. Oh, <laughs> yeah. NYCFC. Right, 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 right. It's, it's one of their nicknames. You can look it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and once again, this happened last year uh, when we had the top team in the conference in, in Toronto. Uh, Giovinco steps up 2-1, scores an absolutely world-class goal off the crossbar. Uh, Ring steps up at about the same minute as Giovinco scored, I think. Um, last year, and top team in the conference scores a banger, a golazo off the crossbar, makes it two-two, and we go home kind of depressed. Yeah, it, it was it was a little disappointing, especially because at the end of the game, you felt like we were definitely in control there. We were applying all the pressure toward in the last you know ten minutes or so. Um, I think that goal really galvanized Barco. He really got into the game more after after that goal, you know, which only happened like three minutes after he came on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, so that I think that's what's going to leave a little bitter taste in the mouths of, of fans who came was that you know it's, it's one of those games that felt like if it just went five minutes longer, we could have gotten one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there was a whole lot of pressure applied late. It kind of felt like there may be one more goal left in it. It never quite came. There were a few chances. It really kind of seemed like NYC FC took their foot off the gas a little bit, parked the bus a tiny bit towards the end there. Atlanta could have break them down. And that ends us at 2-2. Uh, all in all, though, uh, a really well-played game. And one of the things we learned tonight is that these are probably the two best teams in MLS right now. I, I don't think you can argue that, to be honest. I mean, obviously Toronto is the one that people will say, you know, well, they're obviously one of the best teams in MLS, but they're the not in the league right now. Right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, I mean, right. In the, we're talking about current form. It's these two teams right here, and it's not even close, to be honest, in my opinion. I mean, no one from the West looks remotely close to these teams. Yeah. I mean, and you got to give a lot of credit to NYCFC for coming out. And they played midweek, and then they came here and went just absolutely toe-to-toe with us in a place where we absolutely dominate teams in this building. Yeah, absolutely. They, they rested a ton of guys on Wednesday, and they still just took it. So I believe it was RSL. Yeah. playing yeah. for oh, yeah. win there. Yeah. And so they, they're having an impeccable run of form, and they've been really, really good so far. It came out tonight, and like you said, they went toe-to-toe with us here in our building, which, yeah. which rarely happens unless you're Minnesota United. I'll have more about this tomorrow in, uh, in, in the, the five thoughts on the game, but, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we're going to come into a Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and we're going to press Atlanta, we're, we're going to beat them at their own game. Um, and it's even another thing to have a tactical plan to do something like that. But the difference between doing that and actually going out, out there and executing it, like NYCFC did, is that they just have players that are technically good enough to do it. You know, when there's a long ball, their their defenders aren't just heading it back, you know, in the midfield. They're cushioning it with their feet, and they're, and they're keeping the ball, and they're distributing it out. Um, they're just really good. They're really good all over. They don't really have a super weak, weak link in their team, and it just makes them strong throughout a game. They don't have, you know, they won't often go through these periods where they're under a lot of pressure, except for maybe the end of the game tonight where maybe those heavy legs were coming into effect. Sure. Um, but, you know, other than, you just have to give them so much credit. I was so impressed with them. I can't say enough. And you really have to give Patrick Vieira a ton of credit with what he's done with that team. Um, you know, I mean, he has is one of those managers who has gotten some crap, you know, as, as this sure. former player, what can he actually do as a coach? You know, he's gunning for, you know, something bigger. He doesn't care. You know, he's gunning for an Arsenal job or a City job or something like that. Um, just got to give him a ton of credit. And he had great things to say about Atlanta tonight as well. Yeah, I think he, he was he was very impressed with, with the way we played and just what we've been saying, the way the whole game went down. I mean, just the, the quality of this game was almost like above what you would expect from a normal MLS game. In other games, it kind of feels like you can have a chance to breathe. You can kind of take your focus off for a little bit and kind of just hang out for a second and chill while the soccer game's going on because you know that Atlanta's going to be in control and that the other team's just not going to be up for the challenge or have the talent to keep up. Tonight, you were dead set on focusing on just everything that happened. It was just a, one of those things where you couldn't take your eyes off it tonight. It was just one of those well-played games. And I think, like you said, both coaches kind of said afterwards that this was one of the, the best games of, of the season. And Tata actually said after the game that he thought this was possibly the best game from Atlanta United since he's been here. Yeah, not not this season, but last season too, which says a lot because we saw them put in some great performances. Do you want to talk about Barco? Let's let's talk about Zeke. Because there's some good and bad here. Because the boat, the boat landed tonight, boat mm-hmm. bounce, which mm-hmm. is great. It was all good, uh, but when he came in, uh, the waters got a little choppy, I guess, if we're keeping the metaphor running. 
here, um, the formation was sure something. Yeah, yeah, it, I, it was strange. So when normally, like the way we play with three five two, is kind of with two midfielders in the middle, which are Jeff Lorenwitz, Darlington Nagby, and then Miguel Almiron, either just a bit in front of them or maybe off to the side, but he's definitely part of that central three. There's three in the center of midfield. When Barco came in, we saw something different. We saw both he and Miguel playing very wide and Joseph still up top. So it was almost like you have like two, like a, almost a classic front three of two wingers and a forward. And then you just had, but then you only had those two in midfield against yep. the NYCFC's three. And just, we were just getting demolished and then straight from the get-go. It was Nagby and Jeff on an island for that entire time. And it just looked cluttered. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone called it the amorphous blob formation. You weren't <laughs> far off for a period of time there. Eventually, and especially after the goal, uh, corrections made, I think, a little bit there. I yeah. Think we yeah. inverted uh, Barco and Miguel. Yeah, I think they re- they rearranged some things, and Barco kind of went up top to play alongside Joseph, and then they moved Elmer back a little bit into more of what they traditionally do. Uh, I, I don't know if that was Tata maybe wanting to put Barco in a position where he's comfortable with, like on the wing, um, and just not put too much responsibility on him, kind of playing centrally, but... Um, you know, it's just one of those things that happened, and um, it's just one of those things that happens when you introduce a new player. Like when you have a player like Barco, you're not, not going to wait. You're not going to like say, like, "Oh, he can't play against NYCFC because you know there's going to be a learning curve when he comes in with the rest of the team." At some point, he has to go in the fire, and you're not—he's he, a player that good. You're not going to hold him back, right? So there's just a give and take. You know, that, that, that's what comes with the territory when you introduce a new player. You might lose a little bit of a little bit of fluidity when you do that. So, sure. I mean, it's not, I don't think you can, but it shouldn't be pinned on Zeke. You know, right. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it wasn't like him at fault for the things that were happening. And out of that, I think if you see Tito Diaba out there tonight, I think it's a whole different story. I think you probably see us go to a four, two, three, one, maybe uh, with, with Tito out there. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, we'll, and we'll get into that later. Cause we have some questions about what our, what our best, best 11 looks like. Um, and I only have 20% on my phone to broadcast this, so we're going to have to get through this. we got Jared Smith over in the peanut gallery here from soccer down here. Jared, what did you learn today? I learned, uh, I learned that if Ezekiel can't hear you. Don't shake your head. I'm not shaking my, I'm shaking uh, my head because he can't hear I learned that if Ezekiel Marco, when he's getting across the mark, and it's out of the mark, he's going to roll it. He may not. Like the 83rd minute, he just skipped it around the top of the box. If he had a shot, he might be entertaining. So Jared Smith. Jared Smith learned that there would have been a homicide in the stadium had oh, no, Ezekiel Barco scored. He, he would have like fallen out. Like, oh. oh no! Okay, so it would have been like um, uh, unintentional suicide. Is that what you call that? Like just falling over the railings and happiness. A religious experience. Sort of like. We're still letting him talk because this is big. All right. So you want to know what, what, what another thing I learned tonight? I had never thought of us as supporter shield candidates until tonight. Like, okay. like I, okay. I, I guess I should have thought about that more. Like, I, I should have thought that we were that good. Had you thought about us in that, I, in that I, light? I, I, I always still sense. think of this as this, like, new team that's kind of like, you know, this, sure. this new kid on the block that isn't really in that elite territory yet. Uh, especially with the last few games, I, it had crept in my mind a little bit. Of course, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Uh, but just looking at the standings early, and it is early, but at the same time, it's not as early as you kind of think. We're over a fifth of the way through the season now, if you really think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to think about. And there's Atlanta United right at the top of the table. Um, and just a couple games Near behind. Near the top. Near the top. 
but still, just a, a, a game or so behind. Here, I'm being, just being the internet commenter here. Thank cor- you. Correcting you on here. John's hard. Whatever the hell his name is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a chance. It's a chance. There's a chance that this team uh, really solidifies, especially with Ezekiel coming in. And guys, he is dangerous. We didn't really get to go into that a little bit while we were talking about the tactical things, but he's very dynamic. Oh yeah, and that's that's the word that kept coming up, especially with Tata was dynamic. When yeah. he gets on the ball, you know that something special could happen. And that's just what he brings to the team. That's why he's worth $15 million. Uh, there was a couple people who were like, oh, he's dribbling too much. Well, you're, you're dumb. You're dumb. And your face <laughs> that's is dumb. What he's, that's what he's here to do. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't sell his skill short. Because, I mean, yeah. when he came on, he, he was dancing. You know, it, when he ran, at, I don't know who that right fullback was. Um, I can't read it on the sheet. But mm-hmm. the guy was on skates. Like, he was just, just backpedaling as, as fast as he could. And uh, barcode, you, he just had him going whatever way he wanted, and he, I think the, the, that fullback knew that he was going to try to cut inside, and he still couldn't stop. Absolutely, there may have been a little bit of timidity there, um, where you were kind of hoping the dude would just pull off the shot and just pull the trigger, and possibly create something really, really special yeah. here tonight. But didn't quite happen. Never quite found the space in his eyes. Uh, but we've seen when he does get a little bit of space, he can make things happen if he does pull the trigger with that goal he had against uh, Minnesota United in the preseason. I wonder if that's one of those things where he didn't want to shoot because he's so young and he's new to this team. He didn't want to come across as this guy who comes out here and is just shooting on goal and you know, exactly going it. for his. That's exactly it. He's a 17-year-old kid with a wife. Um, so, <laughs> tr- True story, actually. That's, yeah. that's a real thing. Um, but yeah, no, he's, 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 a, he's a kid. He's out here doing things that kids are not supposed to do and he's going to take a little time to get the mentality of someone who's been doing this for a real long time uh, and y'all should definitely allow him that time to do it because once he gets there he's going to be very very special for this team you can see it uh, if only in flashes tonight it's still there mm-hmm. yeah and, and just to move on to the last point you mentioned it earlier Tata said it it's the best game they've played and I guess the thing I really wanted to focus on is the intensity of this game? Sure. Every player in the inner, in the locker room said this is the most intense game I've played in in this town. A lot of, I mean, if, if you were to ask them, really, it's probably the most intense game a lot of them played in, in a long time. Greg Garza said it's, it was the intensity of a national team game. Sure. And he, and you know, he's not with the national team that often. So I, I mean, there's been many games since then. So um, it was crazy. I mean, it was it was, and going back to NYCFC, the way that they pressed us. I mean. You got to give them credit. It takes yeah. balls to do that. They were their defensive line was pushed up near halfway, and we've got burners. We've got Miguel Amaron and Joseph Martinez who can get in behind. And Tito would have been huge tonight, man. I keep going back to that, but keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. Everyone wants to bash on Tito all the time because he doesn't have his final ball. But I think we kind of saw where he brings what what we were missing tonight. You know, he brings that that danger when you do push up that high. He's that outlet. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a great game tonight, and intense game, and you guys had questions about it. We move on to our listener cues. Our first question comes from Zach Attack. He's been a regular yeah. on the HDAD lately. Shout out Zach Attack on Twitter. Uh, in all seriousness, next week, we theoretically have a fully healthy squad. What's the starting 11? Jeff Let's Robert. just say, who's the starting, what's the starting 11 with a fully healthy squad? I don't know if they were going to, I don't know if they're actually going to be back next week. I think they still might get some more time. Well, let's uh, go through it. Let's let's, let's go through what we agree with first. Okay. Do you think Joseph they're going to go Martinez back? Martinez should start. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. 
first name on the team sheet. Sure. Um, do you think they're going to go back to a four two three one? It's going to go back to a four two three one. As do I. As do I. So with that in mind, we have Joseph up top. Who's Guzan is going to start in goal. I would assume so, unless Mitch Hildebrand. Buddy, if you come back from that ankle injury, we are cheering for you, and we want you out there in between the sticks. You're our boy, Mitch. Love you, Mitch. You're our Mitch. Oh, Jesus. You're our Mitch. <laughs> okay. I'm not cutting that one out. Please cut it. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so we have... Okay. <laughs> LGP and Parkhurst, obviously, are going to be the center backs. Garza is going to be the left back. Sam needs a moment. Sam needs a moment. Just, just uh, yeah, yeah. Go that way. Garza, LGP, Parkhurst, right? I think right back is going to be a question. We'll talk about that. This, you got your center mids, Lorenowitz and Nagby, and you have Miguel Almiron, Marco, Vialba, and Martinez. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's so, so right back, I think, is going to be the question. And I think a lot of people are going to want Gressel. Yeah. And I think he's fully capable of playing right back. And, but then, obviously, you have Escobar, who you brought in this year. Right. So I think that's going to be the biggest question. I think I, I, on a game by game basis, you really need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I think that's what forward. I think that's going to be how it goes. I, I think maybe in, in a game like this, maybe Escobar may have been the one to start. You know, sure. you can start like a more defensive player if you're going up against a better team. Uh, maybe give you a little more balance if you know you're going to have a lot of the possession, or maybe you do it home and away. Maybe you do it at home. You want Gressel because you know you're going to be pushing up higher up the field. <laughs> Mitch is still in your mind, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, at home, at home, you know, you're going to push up a little higher up the field. So maybe that's when you want Gressel and on the road, you want some more solidity. So you want Escobar. But I think that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, and this kind of goes into our next question. Someone asked about the three, five, two, it was, um, Matt probably, and that's actually his name. And Matt probably says, um, he's worried about how Barco might not be a natural fit for the three, five, two. Um, and is in, he also asked how we get, keep this version of LGP, which yeah, in the, only God knows that, but um, play, yeah, play no, Mercedes-Benz Stadium every game. We'd be coaching. I, yeah, yeah. We'd be the um, but I don't think we're going to stick with the three-five-two. I really don't. I yeah. think that uh, I think we will go away from it. I just think our team is best suited to it. We play. We you know we played in a four-two-three-one last year. I think that just shows that that's the way Tottenham wants to play. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think tonight it, it confirmed what we may have been concerned about. It may have been some kind of back and forth in my mind about whether a three-five-two or four-two-three-one. Is going to be the best option. Uh, and when Zeke came in, it looked weird. It looked weird. That's that's all I can kind of say. It looked uh, out of sync. It's going to be a lot more comfortable, I think, in four, two, three, one. And the pieces just fit together. Yeah. A little better. And and we have one more question. I think is going to tie into this a little mm-hmm. bit as well. Uh, Jacob underscore Inman says, when we attacked, we had NY on the ropes. However, in the second half, it almost felt like we sat back and tried to defend. Uh, maybe get, try to get the draw at home. We didn't keep the pressure up, except for the, those final ten minutes. And I think that. I some I agree with that to an extent, um, but I think that that's kind of a product of the formation. I think that's why we will not stick with it because when you have the three five two, it's harder to push all those players up. It's harder to keep a three man back line, there are three center backs and a five man back line sure. pushed up and organized than there's less players. You know, four just having a pairing, especially a pairing like LGP and Parkers who have played many games together and kind of have a, that kind of experience. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons we'll go to four two three one is to allow us to push forward more compete more in midfield and do that for longer stretches in the game without, you know, we kind of get in trouble and we fall back and then it's hard for us to get back out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 
in this one, Miguel Almiron ended up being the man of the match to assist on the night to assist, quotation marks. Uh, one of them was for real, for sure. Uh, but there were some other folks that you may not have noticed who had games you should also appreciate. They are our Lerwinowitz men of the night. Joe Patrick, who is your Lerwinowitz man? Leandro Gonzalez Perez, which I think is my second Shocker. time boarding into him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, if he's not the Lerwinowitz man, he's usually like. Shit. Sure. <laughs> so um, I'm happy to keep on giving it to him every game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he played amazing. Uh, had several chance-denying tackles. Um, just very precise, and most of the things that he did recycled possession well. He's not, he's not going around. Lorenzo's man. All right, LGP, your trophy is in the mail. My Lorenzo's man of the night, Darlington Mack. I thought played extremely, extremely well tonight. Maybe his best game in a five strikes uniform uh extremely extremely solid in possession uh almost had the goal of the year so far i uh, had it taken away from of course because of our friends at var but was very very solid throughout the night retained the ball extremely extremely well uh had a few defensive pickups i thought uh which even if it's just a few is more than normal for him mm-hmm. uh he was very very quality throughout the night. Darling just did. love the way he danced through midfield, too. At the oh, ball. yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. It's fun he, to watch. He giving past players tonight. It was great. For sure. For sure. And Darlington, your trophy is in the mail as well. Quote of the night is pretty simple. Yeah. It's from Tata. And he's just said, we played extraordinary. You know, it's funny. He, he said this because in the press conference, we were kind of getting off topic with uh, what we were talking about. You know, I think this question actually originated from a question asking about Zlatan because we're playing LA Galaxy Who? next week. Zlatan? Uh, right, that. Uh, anyway, and Tata, I think Tata was just like a little perturbed. Uh, he wasn't frustrated or anything, but he was just, you know, he wanted to get the point across. Like, it, he wanted to make it a point to say, to commend the team for how well they played. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if extraordinary, like, comes off the same way, translates the same way in, like, Spanish and English, but to me, I don't know, that sounds like a really, really high praise. So. Yeah, absolutely. But he did say uh, it was the best we've ever played, so it makes sense. Yeah. Tata was some high praise. Ezekiel Barco also was some high praise. Said it was a beautiful experience to play here, which I thought was really, really pleasant. Yeah. You know, the translation may not quite line up there. I'm not quite <laughs> sure if he said beautiful, and it's really what he meant. But it's nice to think that it's a beautiful experience to come to Atlanta and come out and be in front of all you people who uh, did some cool stuff tonight. You guys get a good, did a good job. You guys did good. I'm get a crowd. You guys uh, did good. You guys are like the Lorenzo's man. What's the what, what what award can we give the crowd for the? The performance. Crowd of the night. What rating would you give the crowd? Uh, I would give like judge them. Judge the nine. judge. Judge our fans. I would say about a nine. Yeah. We also had uh, some good traveling support. Too, uh, so yeah, the NYC fans, 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 fans were right below us. They were solid. Were, yeah, you can yeah. stuff from them. Yeah, they had some um, characters in there too. Speaking of the fans, I told Joe Patrick I was going to do this earlier. Uh, we're towards the end of our show, but I would like to go on my first rant. I would like to call rant time. Uh, you got to do a bar rant, and I went and got some ice cream last time. I'm going to do a quick little rant here. And uh, I think I get like a minute. I think I get like a minute. You don't have to like go away, but like let's let's rant a little bit. Let's rant a little bit. Speaking of the fans, there was a moment tonight where Joseph Martinez got into a little bit of a fracas. I guess you would call it with a fan in the tunnel walking out uh, back to the locker room during halftime. Um, I just want to really hammer home here that this fan base cannot and should not turn on Joseph Martinez in any way despite some of his immaturity which is admittedly a problem which should admittedly be worked on but what you're getting at Joseph Martinez is a guy who has just about everything you want in a striker and that they are insane 
They are a person who is going to do unexpected things at unexpected times, and that personality translates to the way they play, and that's what makes them who they are. If you try to stifle Joe's, if you try to put uh, this guy in a metaphorical suit or a cubicle or whatever you want to call it, he's not going to have that same creative energy. He's not going to be doing what he has been doing for us uh, since he got here. And to turn on him in any way would be the wrong response. Uh, there are going to be some people who are going to be old old white men about it, is what I'll call it, and say, oh, that boy needs to, you know, stop being so loud and grumpy all the time, which maybe a little bit of it is true, but it's not something that we should really be concerned about. The, the coaching staff will handle it on that kind of basis, and we should support the dude as much as we can because what he gives us is uh, – some, some art, essentially. He's an artist out there doing what he does, and sometimes a little bit of madness is the key to creating all of that. Rant. Well said. You know how many other teams would love Joseph Martinez on their team? All of them. Every single one. Every single one. We're lucky to have him. You don't you don't want to you don't want to perturb you don't want to make these guys mad to make them want to leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not so saying it's getting to that point, by so the stop way. Stop bothering but, Joseph you know, as there, he's there are out. things that are starting to happen where. You know, <laughs> on the other, on the flip side of that, he was pretty not great tonight. I don't know if the hand oh, was yeah, still terrible. bothering him. Uh, his stat line was pretty abysmal. But the night, no shots, no chances created. Uh, fewest touches on the team, uh, fewest passes as well. Of course, he's usually going to go on the lower end of that uh, because he's a striker. But the no chances, no shots created is concerning. I have takes on this though. You sure. know, I have takes. I don't think that he likes playing in the kind of the style that we were playing for a lot of the game tonight, except for like the final ten minutes. A lot of our game was booting long balls to Joseph, to Joseph and Miguel. And I just don't think he likes to play that way. I think, you know, first of all, it's physically exhausting on him, which, you know, that's one of those things with Joseph. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think that's what, the way he likes to play, and that's when he gets frustrated. I don't think he's super as frustrated with the, the physical exertion part of it. I think he's just frustrated that the team isn't playing that well or playing the way that he thinks they should or, maybe, sure. or that he Tata thinks they should. But, you know, I think when Joseph's best is when he's like dropping a little deep off the line. There's someone else pushing up, and that's kind of where we miss Tito. Yeah. Um, where Tito's making that run, and Joseph's able to drop in, combine with Miguel, you know, make, do those little one twos, and, and then work their way upfield. So, um, yeah, so maybe there's a little bit there. maybe there's a little bit behind that, but um, yeah, it's something to look at as we as we go forward in the next few games. Yeah. All right, that's gonna wrap it up here from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So you have been to five stripe final shout out. To Brian Cadney, shout out Kerry Brownstein, shout out Harris Chris Kitchen, shout out Brian Tyree Hearing, shout out Lakeith Stanfield, shout out Ben Jones, and shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out Jorge Thieler, shout out Justin Belhuis, shout out Chris Chris Raimundi. Raimondi? I always get that I always it's get his, I always get his name wrong. Yeah, it's, uh, it's because in uh, when I was in high school my Spanish name was Raimundo, so I always want to say uh, yeah. I never knew that about you. I don't I don't even know why, because like, it means Raymond. <laughs> my name's Joe. I don't know. Uh, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Is that all? Don't do drugs and Grimes. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't do drugs and then shout out Grimes. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's a little tough. All right. That's going to wrap it up here, folks. Five strikes. Tying this one to draw 2 2 from school. Bye. Bye. Bye.